This week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. For 85 years, DU has worked to restore, enhance, and protect wetlands to the benefit of wildlife and people. It's a daunting challenge and one our supporters take very seriously because to them, nothing is more important than the outdoors we all cherish. And it all starts in our local chapter events. To find an event near you or to join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org. DU, a proud sponsor of the Lone Star Outdoors show and sportsmen everywhere. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born and more, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists. Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. Driving on The show goes on. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you to episode 634 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking all things hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So, Thanks for spending a part of your week with me. Um, what's going on in the great outdoors right now? Mostly fishing and a little hog hunting. I haven't been hog hunting in a couple weeks. So uh, this past week, though, for the fourth, we went down to Galveston. Uh, gosh, we love it down there. It's only five hours from the door to the beach. And, uh, and I didn't take the girls fishing when we were down there in early June. And they never let me hear the end of that because uh, just Henry, my dad, and myself went. This time we were down there with Aaron's side of the family, and we got two boats. So aunts, uncles, my sister-in-law, um, father-in-law went on the other boat. And then my entire family, me, Aaron, Henry, and Frankie and Stella had our own boat. And I'm not kidding you. The girls outfished all of us at seven years old. Maybe that was just because they set their rods in the rod holder and just waited for it to bend over, but I think they each caught five fish, and I mean, I was bringing up the rear. I only caught two, one shark and one keeper trout, um, but uh, that tropical storm that had come through the Gulf last week kind of had the water all choppy and murky, so the bite was tough, but I was proud of the girls, and yeah, we grinded out. I think we ended up with like uh 15 or 16 nice trout and Aaron caught a shark I caught a shark they caught some ladyfish of course the uh never appreciated hardhead <laughs> for good reason nobody I mean we don't even use those for bait uh but you think about a catfish you think it would be good eating 
They are not. Let me tell you. I've tried them before. Uh, so we had a great time and lots of smiles as the uh, the girls haven't let me hear the end of it as far as them catching more fish than daddy, uh, which, you know, on some level makes me very happy. Um, anyway, hope that y'all had a great fourth. Uh, we've got an awesome show lined up for you today, and we're going to head back down to the coast and check in with spear fisherman Braden Sharon, who recently speared the world record Kubera snapper. And if you think about a red snapper, uh-uh, uh-uh. This is a snapper on steroids that weighed well over 100 pounds. So all things free diving, spear fishing, uh, oil rigs, and what they mean to our Gulf Coast fishery, all that cool stuff coming up here with Braden. Uh, then a young lady who's been taking a lot of flack on social media because she killed a zebra in South Africa. That's right. It's it's really weird. Someone like myself, yeah, we can get quite a few nice death threats. But when an attractive young woman kills an animal like a zebra or a giraffe or a leopard, the anti-hunters lose their minds. They can't. It bothers them so much that a, a pretty girl would wade into that crowd of people, degenerates like you and I, and, and get their hands dirty or bloody, so to speak. It just, they, they can't handle it. Uh, and they don't want pretty women to be out there hunting. Uh, that's, that's the reality. But we know that women are the fastest growing segment of the hunting community. So we welcome each and every one of them. And we will welcome 18-year-old Celie Ozier to the show here in just a little bit. Uh, she got death threats. I think people even went to her house and then called her the college that she's enrolled in to try to get her kicked out. Uh, so crazy stuff, but, you know, uh, par for the course with these sick, twisted, mentally ill anti-hunting groups. Um, but that's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Um, let's do this. Let's, let's do a quick giveaway. How about one of our Lone Star Outdoors show unwoke t-shirts? And I'll let you pick the color. Uh, and then we'll throw in a, how about a Lone Star Ag Credit shotgun case? So yeah, Unwoke t-shirt shotgun case. That's today's prize pack. Just email the word snapper, that's snapper, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Man, that makes me want to eat some sashimi right now. <laughs> a little bit of soy sauce, squeeze of lime, mm, red snapper. Right there on the dock. Tough to beat. All right, let's knock out that break. Up next, spear fishing, free diving, world record snapper on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Shimmer and she moves. Sunlight all around her. Even when she's blue. Silver clouds surround her. My baby sparkling shine, sparkling shine. Hey guys, Cable here for Cryo and More, the one-stop feel-good shop in McKinney, Texas. I've been going there for over a year now. All your holistic healing needs with cold, heat, and compression therapy services. And these services, they're the fastest way that I've found to reduce inflammation and to get to the root cause of pain. 
You don't need to be in pain, though, in order to benefit from these services. Cryotherapy helps with burning calories, optimizing sleep, boosting energy, and much more. I can tell you that's true because I feel like a brand new man every time I get out of the cryo chamber. Uh, plus, compression therapy helps promote healthy blood flow. Come in anytime before 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Say the words cold outdoors and you'll get $10 off your cryo session. That's cryoandmore.com. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit bobcatofnorthtexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Howdy, this is Robert Earl Keen, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I lived in Corpus with my brother. We were always on the run. We were bad for one another. But we were good at having fun. We got stoned along the Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show, presented by good folks over at Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here today as uh, we're about to jump into what I think is going to be a great conversation with Spear Fisherman Braden Sharon. But before we do that, uh, this segment of the show is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. I've told you, it doesn't get any easier than using they're stand-in fills. You don't need a ladder. You don't need to back your truck or your buggy up to the feeder and stand on it to fill the dang thing. Just keep your two feet on the ground. Fill it up. Hogs can't knock it over. It's a great design. It's the stand-in fill. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. With that being said, let's bring him on right now, the new Kubera Snapper World Record Holder, Braden Sharon. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you're joining us from Corpus Christi. Yep. Right on. I've spent uh, a little bit of time there over the years for uh, various reasons, but primarily uh, one of my, my best friends, um, they're from Portland, just outside of Corpus. And so mm-hmm. his dad had uh, a bay boat and an offshore rig. And so you know, every summer we'd head down there and uh, I was a lot younger and it seemed like we were just trying to drink as much beer and then, you know, <laughs> catching fish was a bonus, but we always caught a lot of red snapper. I mean, yeah, there was no doubt we were going to get into the snapper just usually about 40 uh, miles or so off the coast of Port A there and find any oil rig, mm-hmm. and just hammer them. Uh, some, some awesome memories. I wish I got to do it more. You live there and just from reading a little bit about you, you are a professional fisherman or outdoorsman or what is your, what do you do for a living? Well, um, I'm in college. Okay. For starters. Um, and I do kind of outdoor YouTube videos. That's how mm-hmm. I make my money. I do, you know, mainly offshore fishing and spear fishing stuff. Um, but I'll do other stuff, you know, inshore fishing. I'll do some hunting videos, which YouTube nowadays doesn't seem to like very much. Yeah. Um, no. but yeah, that's what I do. I just like to film, what I do for fun, really. And what do you like to hunt? 
Uh, Whitetail, all dad. They're one of my favorites. Um, axes. I haven't shot a buck yet, an axis buck yet, but, hmm. um, you know, just the regular Texas animals for the most part. I just got back from Maui a couple of weeks ago and shot a nice axis buck there. They, okay. they're invasive introduced species, all yeah. free ranging stuff. Oh God, there's so many axis deer. Uh, but then did a little ocean kayak fishing mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, you should, you should put that on your bucket list. I know most oh, college yeah. kids don't have the, that expendable income, but, <laughs> Uh, certainly put it on your short list. Cause that was uh, for someone that enjoys fishing and mm-hmm. uh, spear fishing as much as you dude. It's, it's, it's a sportsman's paradise for sure. Yeah. I've wanted to trip over there for sure. Sometime. Yeah. So. Uh, so what, so spear fishing is your favorite fishing technique. Yeah, I would say that for sure. And primarily out of port a, or do you travel and, and go to various places? I'll travel around. Um, home base is, Corpus, poor day. I have some buddies in Louisiana that I'll go trip over there to dive with. Um, and then last fall I made a, a trip to the Bahamas. So that oh, was nice. kind of my first out of country diving experience, but uh-huh. mainly here in the Gulf of Mexico. So is it, are you free diving or scuba? Free diving. Okay. Yeah. So we had, I, you might follow him, uh, but the surfer Mark Healy was on, like a couple months ago and yeah i follow him He's that was cool my guy. my indoctrination into to uh free diving and spear uh fishing and that, okay um, i've never okay. done it personally it's it's all it's one of those things that's on the list mm-hmm. um but uh sure it sure looks awesome I mean, for someone that likes hunting as much as i do the idea of hunting fish below the surface yeah. that's kind of what cool. what gets me too is you know you're hunting fish you're not waiting on a fish to come bite your lure you can go make something happen. You don't have to sit there and wait all day. So how does that play out? Because I've, I've never experienced it. Do, are the fish really skittish in say, I, I imagine you're fishing a lot of, uh, of, uh, oil platforms. Yeah. Oil know, rigs, uh, artificial structures, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on the species of fish. Um, you know, some are more spooky than others. Like, you know, Kubera's the fish that, you know, that I shot recently, uh-huh. they're known to be pretty, pretty spooky. Like for example, I saw one probably 50 yards away a couple of weeks ago. And the second it saw me, it was gone. Huh. Um, so there's fish like that, that'll be really spooky. And then other fish, they just get really curious and they'll swim right up to your face. So really, yeah. That seems ridiculous with sharks and stuff that would try to eat these fish, you know, that are yeah. huge, like in a human presence, seems like it would be a lot bigger, more intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's interesting that they're, yeah, they're I think curious. they just see these foreign creatures. I guess they think we're monkeys or something and they kind of want to mm-hmm. come check us out. Huh? Fascinating. Um, yeah. A lot of fish are curious. Some, the older ones tend to be a lot smarter, bigger fish. They're uh-huh. smarter. They'll tend to be wary of you. but a lot of it has to do with um kind of the way you behave underwater if you Mm -hmm. chase the fish they kind of catch on um so as free divers a lot of what we do is we kind of we dive down nonchalantly not even paying any attention to the fish and we'll oftentimes not even look at the fish we might spot it in the distance but we'll we'll completely look away we'll swim off kind of to the side and oftentimes they'll just come book it right up to you and turn broadside. 
Wow. There's, there's a little and, technique to it. And how long can you stay underwater? Personally, myself, my longest dive is two and a half minutes. Um, that was at like 50 feet, but mm. average, you know, two minutes, I would say is where my dives are at. And when so. you come back up to the surface, are your lungs just screaming or are your lungs accustomed to that? Because I can imagine like holding my breath for a minute, my, you know, I would be like, God, you know, gr- yeah. gasping yeah. for air when that was over, you know, on deeper, longer dives. Yeah. You're usually kind of short of breath, mm-hmm. but at the same time, while free diving, we have to be really relaxed and stay calm because we're underwater. We can't just hit the surface whenever we want. We got to obviously swim back up. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of training, I guess, to stay calm and composed, but deeper, longer dives, definitely you're, you know, you need some air. That's why we dive with buddies in case something happens. Yeah. So, so you're on a dive and you, you're about to shoot this giant fish and, and let's not even talk about this specific fish yet, mm-hmm. but you're running out of, out of oxygen and you shoot this fish. Is there now a struggle to get this fish to the surface or how does that play out? Cause so, you need air, you've got yeah. you shot this fish. What happens now? Right. Well, first of all, usually I kind of try to play that, you know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of have an internal timer. I know, and I need to go up. I know maybe I shouldn't shoot this fish. Um, but we actually use reels on our spear guns. Mm-hmm. And if I absolutely have to breathe, I'll either not shoot the fish because I can't fight it on the way up, or mm-hmm. I'll just put my reel in the free spool and swim up and not have it put any pressure on me. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. But around these oil rigs, kind of the problem that we have and a lot, why the reason a lot of people don't shoot fish too deep is because if you shoot that fish and you need to breathe, it can dive down deeper and tangle all up into the rig legs. Yeah. So yeah. ideally you want to shoot fish when you still have some, some air so you can kind of wrestle it up. Uh-huh. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, the Gulf of Mexico is an amazing fishery and we have quite a few different snapper species. I sent you a picture of one of mm-hmm. them that was from, I was looking at the date on it. It was from 2010 and we had, uh, caught our limits of red snapper and caught one other fish. And I was like, I wonder if this is a Kubera. I remember my buddy's dad saying it was a dog fish snapper. Um, then there's also mangrove snapper. I mean, how many different snapper species uh, are you likely to come across out of Porte? There's quite a bit, actually. So, you know, you got your red snapper. That's what everybody hears about is red What snapper. you caught was a mangrove snapper. Mm-hmm. Some people confuse those with dog snapper there's actually there's a slight variation um dog snapper are a lot more rare here in the texas area than those mangrove snappers but on top of those you'll get lane snapper vermilion snapper vermilion um, those kubera snapper they're pretty rare though if you i mean if you know where they're at you can kind of find a few of them uh but those are really your main your main snapper there's a couple other ones that I think are classified as snapper, but we don't really call them snapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there, speaking of the Kubera, which is a fish that you shot, um, is there a season or a limit? I mean, like that was one of the main reasons we stopped going every summer is because the, the snapper season would be like, oh, you've got a, a one week window and then the yeah. wind's blowing. Yeah. And then it's like, well, damn it. It isn't even worth doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've gotten better from a management standpoint of, of, of giving recreational anglers more opportunity. Um, and the, the idea, and I've talked to Robin Rikers a bunch of times over the years, our, our coastal fisheries director, as far as like the whole Gulf of Mexico being managed as one red snapper population is ridiculous because what we have off the coast of Texas isn't what they have in Florida or uh, Alabama, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely, these, these fish tend to stick close to one reef. They might go to the next one, but they're not migrating hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah. yeah. So managing that seemed like a, a really poor management philosophy. Um, but I think we're trying slowly getting away from that, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. But do these Kuberas have a, a strict season and bag limit? Well, it's interesting because there's actually no regulation on the Kuberas. They don't even mention them. Huh. I don't think on the Texas parks and wildlife website, because no one really catches them. You know, it's right. not really a fish. Most people can go target. Uh-huh. Um, I guess, cause there's not near the quantities of, of red snapper. So, I mean, there's, there's really nothing about them. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw, I think, and it was very recently, it was this month. Uh, I saw a guy caught a hundred and they're estimating 120 pound Kubera out of, uh, Panama, out of a kayak. Mm-hmm. I think and I saw that just yesterday. They, they released it and they didn't have any, um, way to get it, uh, what is it? IGFA, um, certified, yeah. certified. They, they, they took, they cut the fishing line, measured that up to the fish. And then that's how they measured it. And they didn't get mm-hmm. a weight. Uh, but it wasn't, I don't think it was, uh, as big as the one that you caught regardless. What, first of all, have you in your free diving experience come across a big Kubera before? Um, or is it so rare that you, this was like, wow, once in well, a lifetime thing. It's usually something you don't ever see. Huh. Last summer, I kind of found some areas um, where I, I saw them. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd seen a couple in completely different areas too. Um, so I kind of have a couple spots I know that they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually kind of funny. Before I speared the fish, you know, just recently, I went out a week prior and I think I saw the same fish. Really? but I didn't have the right gear to land it. The gun, the gun I was using was made to shoot like red snapper, nothing for a giant Kubera. Um, and I actually had a shot on this fish, but you know, I was like, there's no way I'm going to land this thing. You know, I need to come back with the right equipment, the big gun, as I called it. Um, so I came back the next week and that's when, I guess I saw the same fish, I'm assuming. So that's when it happened. So when you talk about the big gun, is that a different uh, gauge of spear size or just the, the tackle, like the, the line and the reel? Um, pretty much just bigger. I actually have it right here. Uh, it's really long, but... Oh, wow, yeah. There's the reel you can see there. But uh-huh. really, by big gun... Um, more power, more range. Um, and the spear is a lot longer, so it's typically a lot heavier. Yeah. So that'll get more punch into the fish. And so, how close do you have to be to make a, I don't, I don't, I guess you could say ethical shot or a shot, you know, is going to, you know, kill the fish. And yeah. So it really depends on the spear gun. Um, I would say for most people, 10, 15 feet. 
some of your guns, some of your guns like this one, it'll shoot a little over 20 feet and Mm -hmm. actually have penetration. So, wow. So you think you saw this fish prior, uh, which is very interesting. Assuming it was the same one. Right. Right. Well, it doesn't seem like these things are on, uh, under every tree or I guess underwater on every reef. So pretty rare, like you said, so rare that we don't even have a season or bag limit on the species. Mm-hmm. Uh, had you, um, had you ever shot a Kubera before? I'd shot one and it was not that big. It was uh-huh. pretty small. Um, but going this time around, I was, I was going to wait for the big one because you know, there, there are fish that does grow old. Yeah. So as a diver and someone that wants to conserve the Kubera snapper, you know, now I want to wait and shoot one that's, you know, mature. It's lived its life, yeah. let, let the babies grow. So uh-huh. interesting. And I was reading online that their typical size is between like eight and 30 pounds. Like what, what, if you were to just say targeting red snapper, you caught a Kubera, you reel it up. It's going to be like eight to 30 pounds, 30 yeah. pound snapper is still not, a huge that's fish. A big snapper. Yeah. Um, but you said they get a lot older than a red snapper. And that's why at this one oh, that yeah. you shot was how long was it to the tip of the tail? It was 60 inches. Golly. So that one that I was talking about in Panama, um, they, they measured the, the fishing line. And it was like 54 and some change. So this mm-hmm. one was over, this was 60 inches uh, and the official weight. 137 is what we got on the wow. scale and that's a new world record all tackle see that's the thing um technically i guess it is the record fish uh-huh. but igfa only has fishing and uh-huh. they hack they actually have like certain leader material or like pound uh tests allowed so i don't think igfa has wanting anything to do with it i haven't really i honestly haven't submitted anything yet i have everything ready but I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Do they have a, a spearfishing category? There is a separate spearfishing world record deal. I haven't really looked into it all yet. Um, I'm going to it's talk such to a niche uh, sport, but it's gaining popularity, but it's definitely yeah. not like mainstream. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. There's not many people that do it, especially down here. I could probably count the people that do it down here. So certainly a niche uh, community along the Texas coast. Anyway, um, we're going to take a quick break. Braden, we'll come back and hear how everything played out when you actually arrow or speared, I guess, uh, the fish and got him back up to the surface. Like, when did you realize how ginormous this thing was and what did you do with him? Uh, that's coming at you after the break. That segment brought to you by rustic reminders, taxidermy. They've been taking care of me for Over a decade, they do amazing work with quick turnaround time, and they answer the phone every time I call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm going to build me a boat. A 
America's Coffee Company has something for everyone. I'm talking about Black Rifle Coffee, of course, veteran-owned and operated. Whether you prefer a light, medium, or dark roast, they've got a plethora of each. And here's the cool thing. They've also got K-Cups now. So if you're a, a Keurig kind of person, yeah, they've got you covered there. Actually, I'm sipping on the uh, hazelnut K-Cup today. Because some days I just don't want to make a whole pot of coffee. But whatever the case, they've got something for you. And you'll save 20% off of not only your coffee order, but all of that awesome Second Amendment, unapologetically American swag that they're known for. Caps, t-shirts, hoodies, etc. Yeah, 20% off of all that stuff as well with my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. Hi, this is Captain Sig Hansen from the Deadliest Catch. You're listening to the Lone Star Show? Lone Star Outdoors Show. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Captain Sig Hansen from the Deadliest Catch, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Oh man, that one takes me back to your deadliest catch. Uh, we've had, actually had on Captain Sig uh, from the Northwestern, Jonathan from the Time Bandit, and Captain Keith from the Wizard. Ah, you deadliest catch fans. Y'all probably know if I'm right or wrong here, but I believe those were the boats. Captain Phil was the one from the uh, Cornelia Marie that died before we could ever get him on the air. Uh, but, man, I used to love that show. Great entertainment. Well, I don't think it's been on the air for a while, though. Anyway, uh, we're still visiting with Spear Fisherman Braden Sharon. We're going to get back into his world record Kubera Snapper. In just a second, hear how uh, that experience played out. First, though, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member, and here's why you should become a member. Because no organization is doing more to protect your rights as a sportsman or woman. That's flat out the truth. They put their money where their mouth is, both domestically and internationally. They don't pick and choose when sustainable use hunting applies to them, like so many other um, organizations do, specifically in North America, no. Across the board, they are for sustainable use hunting because they know that's what's going to keep the wildlife thriving. For more info, 
check us out at safariclub.org. With that being said, let's head back below the surface and continue our conversation with Braden Sharon. Obviously, we don't want your GPS cords, but about <laughs> how far off the coast are you? Um, I was about, I'm trying to remember, I have it in nauticals, probably 50, 60 uh-huh. miles out. And so college kid, again, probably mm-hmm. not a lot of expendable income. Are you going with a friend or because, I mean, we know what the price of fuel is thanks to Biden right now. Yeah. Uh, he'll say it's Putin's fault, but we all, we are not stupid. <laughs> we saw what, what gas was doing before uh, they invaded yeah, Ukraine. But, it's uh, hard right now for sure. Yeah. Usually I'll split fuel. I'll bring some people. Uh-huh. Um, but luckily the boat I have, a lot of people consider a bay boat. Um, it's actually a Ponga. They're really popular in Mexico, South America. So I'll get like four miles a gallon. So, you know, the trips are still expensive for me. Yeah. But in comparison to guys on offshore boats, quote unquote, it's, you know, it's nothing compared to them. But So you have to wait for a calm day to go. Yeah. I mean, I've gone when I probably shouldn't have been out there. Yeah. It's just not very fun. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the offshore fishery off the coast of Texas would look like if it wasn't for oil rigs? Terrible. Right. Right. See, that's, that's something that, you know, I actually have a strong opinion about. And I tell people without these oil rigs, you know, our bottom for the most part is just muck. There's nothing, you know, aside from, a few pinnacles we'll have here and there, which are really just salt domes, hard substrate. Mm-hmm. There's really not much. Um, these oil rigs, you know, people can see it in my videos. They're just giant cities of fish. You know, there's coral, there's tiny reef fish all over the rigs, you know, and it just, it goes up the food chain. It's actually pretty wild whenever you realize that these are just perfect fish habitats. Yeah. Um, pretty you know, cool. oil industry gets a, a bad rep offshore, obviously from a lot of people, but, um, for what it is, the rigs serve a really good purpose for, you know, fish, in my opinion, and the fishery fishermen have a place to go catch food. So, and I mean, the most important, um, commercial fishery we have off the coast is red snapper mm-hmm. that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for these rigs. Our spots will be limited. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you speared this fish, what was that? What was the, what was, first of all, when you saw it, you're like, oh, I've seen that fish before going back to the week prior. Then you, you make a stock on this fish or did he just come right up to you? Well, um, right when we, we slipped in the water, um, at first I didn't see it because I kind of knew where this fish was sitting from the week before, mm-hmm. but the current this day was different. So we actually had to tie the boat up kind of where that fish was at. So I was kind of worried I'd already spooked it off. Um, but after I, I kind of swam into the, the area where this fish was at, I think I spotted it. I'm assuming it was the same fish. And I guess as soon as it saw me, it just completely hightailed out of there. Mm. so like oh no like we just drove all this way just for this one fish that's all i was out there (laughs) so i stopped my brother was in the water with me i was like just hold up let's kind of swim outside 
you know, give this, give this thing some space. So we kind of swam outside of the rig and, um, gave it some time. And I kind of crept back in on that other side where I saw that fish. And, uh, I just relaxed, breathed up. Um, and I made a dive and, uh, down at, I was at 66 feet, probably 65 when I saw the fish mm-hmm. and it was just sitting there. All I saw was its head kind of quartering towards me. And I don't know what I looked like, but I probably had eyes that big. I was like, Oh shoot. That's, <laughs> that's the fish. Um, and I just kind of froze at that depth. I was just kind of sinking. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, to get close cause these fish are kind of notorious for, uh, being hard to punch through they're pretty pretty strong armored fish so i kind of just sank down and it's right when i thought i was close enough to where the fish would spook if i waited any longer uh, i pulled the trigger and then the rest was history and you're at 60 something feet did this fish put up a fight yeah and, and a um, lot of times i mean does the shot just have an immediate impact on the fish i mean we all know it can it can so the goal the goal is to you know put some damage hurt the fish so we can get it quickly um you know you can spine a fish so where they can't swim anymore yeah um sometimes you'll hit it perfect in the head so you stone it it's out the second it hits um but i was worried that my spear wouldn't get through if i shot it in the head because they're so dense so I shot it right behind, you know, center mast where it would hurt the fish. Yeah. Um, but also there was kind of a technique to it. It was a, around a bunch of legs. The water we were in was like 200 feet deep. I'm not mm-hmm. swimming down to 200 feet to untangle mm-hmm. a fish. It's also way too murky down there. Um, so the idea was to shoot it and have it wrap up right there so I can go get it. Um, so come back to the surface, then go back down and get it. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, um, as soon as I shot this fish just went berserk, but thankfully it was around all these legs. It just wrapped itself up like insanely on the rigs and pretty much just beat itself and died right there. Um, you can't see it in the picture that is out on the internet, but the other side of the fish, there's a shot where the shot ripped there's a huge gash probably like that long where it just mm. almost ripped the whole spear out that's how uh-huh. hard it was it was fighting it huh wow yeah. okay so you go back down collect your prize which trophy obviously a world record and then eating fish that size i'm sure that they're phenomenal i mean but it's like red well, snapper, actually that's uh, the thing so i actually read some comments from one of the articles that went out so many people are saying, you know, he probably threw it away, terrible eating, but believe it or not, you know, I cleaned it. It just looked like a giant red snapper, the meat, right. You know, it's white and, yeah. uh, look great. No worms. Um, and we fried it up. I had it at a friend's house with a bunch of other friends of his and everyone loved it. You know, everyone that's eating it, it's loving. I think it's great. It's just a mega snapper. And uh, one of my buddies in Louisiana, he swears that the throat of the Kuberas is one of his favorite things to eat in the world. Yeah. 
so yeah, you know, it is a huge fish, which people tend to kind of not want to eat, but yeah, the Kubera was, it's great. I still have a bunch in the freezer. Um, I plan on eating all of it. So yeah. When we would catch red snapper again, I don't think I've been in about four or five years, but, um, my buddy's dad re- religiously saves the the cheeks and throats. Yeah. Um, never waste any of it. And that meat is, I think the most tender part of the fish. Exactly. You're talking about a fish that yeah. as soon as we got back to fisherman's wharf, it's like, where's the uh, soy sauce? Somebody slice this thing up. Let's get going. Mm-hmm. A little lime, eat it right there. Yeah. Um, while you're cleaning the boat, it's, oh, it's tough to beat that fresh uh, sashimi. Um, in your spear fishing adventures, have you ever come across a fish out there where you're like, oh shit, I, I don't, I didn't want to see that. As in like being like scared a, of it, like a shark, like, like, like a, oh a, yeah. Know, a big ass shark where you're like, oh, you know, yeah. it makes you think twice about the, uh, <laughs> you're maybe you're not the apex predator in that situation. Yeah. I mean, typically, I mean, that's always on in your mind, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, as soon as you get in the water, you're not the big, the big predator. Um, but you know, we'll see big bull sharks, big sandbar sharks, you know, they've, they've kind of given me a scare, like they'll do like a quick charge and kind of move off. I've had them, I've had shot fish before and been pulling it up as I'm swimming to the surface and a shark will just come up and take its head off, like right down below me. Here comes the tax man. Yeah. Um, but you know, thankfully I mean, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I haven't seen anything too crazy in the water. Uh-huh. I've had a big Mako shark come up to my boat, my boat before when I was, you know, in the boat. Um, but, you know, I know, you know, there's big fish out there. People catch 12 foot tiger sharks off the beach here Shoot, all the they, time. I big think, uh, Texas record was like caught off a of Bob Hall pier. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, that's it's a weird, funny. uh, interesting subculture of, of humans. The shark fishermen that spend all night out on the piers, dude. I, yeah. I did that and did, uh, <laughs> did an interview with some of them just cause I was, I want to immerse myself in this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm I'm not saying that they're seedy people, but that is a, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting scene. They're dedicated. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them that. It's interesting. Um, one, one dude's jumping off the end of the pier. He's got a kayak tied to it. It's totally illegal, but for 20 bucks, maybe it was even 10 bucks, he'll jump out in the pitch black dark off the pier and run your bait out like mm-hmm. a couple miles in his kayak. Yeah. yeah. And like, God, all right. This is interesting to see that. Yeah. So, pretty wild. But yeah. But yeah. You know, people get big sharks here pretty often, you know, in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually, you know, I always talk to my buddies from Louisiana about diving because they're pretty, pretty serious about it. But, where I'm at, this area actually has a super high concentration of mako sharks, mm. like ridiculous amounts. There's a shark mm. tracker we'll check, and they'll be six, seven miles offshore, like right here in our, our close rigs. Um, and I have another buddy that's he's scarred for life. Like he won't even spearfish anymore because he used to work on, I guess, with a private captain, and they would go bill fishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a marlin or swordfish. I'm assuming it was a marlin, but I think he said it was like a four or 500 pound marlin. They had up to the boat and a mako just came up 
and chomped it right there. Oh yeah. So he's <laughs> he's like, yep, not happening. <laughs> I'm not getting in that water. Oh yeah. man. Um. So did you know once you got once you landed this fish that it was probably a world record? See, that's the funny thing. I honestly didn't. It didn't cross my mind because you know you just saw it the week before and like that's a big ass cabrera snapper. I got to go back and yeah, hit it. Yeah. So you know. I really didn't think it was that big till it was in the boat. Like I knew it was a big fish Right in the water. I was like 80 pounds. Um, and keep in mind, I've, I shot one Kubera prior. Uh -huh. I'd never seen any other Kuberas in person. Um, some of my buddies I've shot 80, hundred pounders. Um, but I, I realized the moment I realized it was that big was when I tried to pick it up. Cause the week prior we had gone spear fishing for amberjack and I shot a, a hundred pound amberjack and I could pick it up like no problem. Right. But I tried to pick this Kubera up and I was like, <laughs> this ain't a hundred pounds. Like <laughs> this is a little bit bigger. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of in the boat when we were trying to, you know, pick it up. I started to realize this is, this is pretty big. Uh. Um, but yeah, record never crossed my mind. I wasn't out there trying to break a record. Mm -hmm. That was never the thing. You know, I just love the spearfish. I like shooting big fish. It's kind of, you know, yeah. the hunt, thrill of the hunt. Um, but just what was the biggest out. fish that you'd ever shot prior to this one? The amberjack? Uh, as far as weight goes, probably the amberjack. I've shot big cobia before. I shot this year like an 80 something pound wahoo oh nice um but as far as weight yeah probably that amberjack but that was the week prior so uh -huh. um i the guy that took me kayak fishing on maui we had an interesting exchange because to me it seemed like we wasted half of the day trying to catch bait to then catch the big fish i was like you guys don't just have a bait shop around here he's like you mean <laughs> you you have places in texas that sell live bait I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, like all up and down the coast, you just go buy your piggy perch or your croaker or whatever, you know, depending on what yeah. species you're targeting. He's like, yeah, that's not a thing here. So we have to use a rod and reel to catch the bait, to put on a bigger rod and reel to mm -hmm. actually go fishing. And he's like, the saying is no bait by eight. We just go in. And some days we, we don't Dang. find the bait and some days we do. Yeah. I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Yeah. So we spent like three hours trying to catch bait and finally caught one of these little, uh, was some type of mackerel. He's like, oh yeah, that's the one we want and put it on. And unfortunately, well, at least we caught something, but it was a barracuda. It wasn't, it wasn't a tuna or wahoo that, or, or yeah. mahi mahi we were, we were looking for, but it's just so it's interesting to see how uh, different cultures, different regions have to go yeah. about it. It's much yeah. more difficult to have to catch the bait, but probably more rewarding when you do catch. Uh, nice yeah. Fish. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, you can get a lot of bait here, obviously. Yeah. Um, I used to work on a charter boat offshore and whenever you go like amberjack fishing or, you know, for some bigger fish, sometimes we'll stop at the rigs and sabiki bait kind of price oh, yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was maybe an hour, hour and a half. It never, never went, you know, too, too long. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, cool stuff, man. If you want to give us your, uh, I know you have a, a, a great YouTube page. Um, I, I messaged you on Instagram, so you're on there as well. If mm -hmm. you want to tell folks yeah. where they can 
follow along and enjoy your uh, your underwater adventures. Yeah, so my YouTube and Instagram is pretty much the same thing. It's my name, Braden Sharon, uh, B-R-A-D-E-N-S-H-E-R-R-O-N. Um, really, I just post all my outdoor deals, fishing, diving, hunting stuff. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find it. So what are you studying? Right now I'm in marketing. I'm uh-huh. kind of interested in that stuff. I do a lot of video work already. Um, you know, it kind of goes along with YouTube videos. So right on. Cool. Well, good stuff, man. Congrats on, uh, one hell of a fish. And uh, I Thank certainly you. enjoyed somebody just sent me the link to the article. It was like, have you seen this yet? And I was like, no, but <laughs> that's a huge snapper. We got to figure out what's going on here. So, uh, thanks for making time for us and, and certainly yeah, enjoyed visiting you. with you. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Take it easy. You too. Have a good one. So there you have it. Spear gun free diving for world record Kubera snapper. I think the most interesting thing about that was that, uh, Braden had seen that same fish the week before and intentionally went back to that oil rig to try to find him. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Here's the cool thing, and this is brand spanking new. I've got a 10% off discount code for any Vortex Optic that you pick up over at eurooptic.com. Like my favorite long-range piece, the Venom 5 to 25 by 56 34 millimeter rifle scope. Uh, this thing's awesome. And a price tag coming in at, uh, well, shoot, they've got it listed. I'm looking at it. They've got it listed at Euro Optic for like 500 bucks, 499.99. That's $200 off MSRP. Plus, with that Lone Star 10 discount code, you'll save an additional 10%. They're like giving this thing away. Uh, but again, Lone Star 10, 10% off. Any Vortex Optic uh, over at eurooptic.com. That's a lot to uh, to put out there, but uh, I'm excited about that discount code. That's the first time we've ever had a discount code for actual optics uh, from our friends over at Vortex. So cool stuff on that front. Coming up next, we'll check in with a young huntress who recently came under fire on social media for legally harvesting a zebra while on safari in South Africa. Yeah, that's the world we live in as uh, hunters in 2022. But uh, we'll get into it next on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Let me with high hopes and low expectations. A little of both to keep my sanity. I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. 
Cable Smith, welcome in everybody back in SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here. Um, we're about to head to the dark continent and get into the situation that Celie Osier found herself in recently after legally taking a zebra. But before we do so, this segment is brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot Rifle lineup. Whether you're looking for a laminate stock, a nice walnut wood stock, or a synthetic stock, uh, they've got something for everybody, and they've got it in calibers all the way from 22 250 up to 375 Ruger. So something for everybody. It's a ruggedly reliable gun at a price that won't break the bank, and you can find it at Mossberg.com. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, and get into our conversation with our next guest, Celie Ozier. Thanks for being here, Celie. Thank you for so much for having me. I'm excited to tell my story and just like hang out and talk. Yeah, uh, it is a pleasure. And obviously, I became aware of your situation through SCI. Uh, they had posted about it and uh, even uh, included a little write-up that you had done on, on their website. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that, but first, just a little bit about you. Um, you're, you're joining us, you're, you're on vacation. You're, you're yeah. not in, I think Tennessee is like a hundred degrees. It's 102 in Texas today. So yeah. you found some cooler temperatures somewhere. Yeah. Migrated up North for the week. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. And are you doing any fishing or anything? Yeah. So I just, just kind of like, uh, just kind of just like fishing with my pole on the, here nothing crazy i'm with a girlfriend so okay kind of doing that by myself right some alone on. time <laughs> yeah um how long have you been hunting um so i kind of grew up my dad is a huge hunter i'm, I'm sure a lot of girls that's their story mm -hmm. is um their dad grew up doing it that's how they kind of like connected with their dad and spent time with him my dad um so my great-grandfather actually learned to hunt um, Nash Buckingham was kind of his mentor. Oh, wow. I know. So he just kind of was like a really prominent hunter in Memphis and just in the South after like Nash died, he kind of like picked off where Nash left off and went in regards to like conservation. And my dad told me he remembered growing up, going to my great grandfather's house, walking around, there was a Cape Buffalo above his fireplace like him being like, whoa, he's so cool. And right. that's how my dad kind of started wanting to hunt more exotic game versus just ducks in Arkansas. Right. And that right. was okay. kind of my story too, because I watched my dad enjoy that. I saw him kind of light up when he was on a hunt and like the beauty of nature. And so I was like, oh, that's so fun. I want to spend time with my dad. I want to hunt. I want to like enjoy the beauty of nature. So that's kind of how I started. And Obviously, as I have grown up, I've had less time for it, <laughs> playing uh -huh. sports, theater, and acting and stuff. But it's been a great way to spend time with my dad. And yeah. So, okay. What was the, uh, the first thing you remember shooting? Um, ducks. That's kind of, that's, I live in Memphis, Tennessee. It's on the Pacific River. We're right by the, like, kind of the Delta area. So, Arkansas, we have a place in Arkansas. It's about 40 minutes away. It's in Dixie, Arkansas, uh -huh. but my, we would spend weekends there. My whole family would go down for Thanksgiving, you know, for opening weekend in right. Arkansas. So my uh, Thanksgiving- Isn't Memphis where Ducks Unlimited is headquartered? Yes. Ducks Unlimited yeah. is headquartered in Memphis. Um, yeah. So that's, it's a big part of culture here. 
Um, it's a big part of our family. That's how we mm-hmm. spend time together on Thanksgiving. It's opening season. My dad goes out for that first hunt, and then we we share our our meal together after that. <laughs> so how old were you? And I'm asking because my son is nine. I got him a 410 shotgun and he's, he shot, uh, two white tails and uh, a black buck, but the scatter wow. gun scares me a little more just because I, <laughs> I can, I can control the situation if we're in a blind and I can point the rifle in the yeah. direction. and he, you know, he finds animal and he does everything on his own, but like having ducks coming in and, you know, a shotgun, like, you, you know, you're turning this way, shoot these ducks on the left side or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that one seems a little more sketchy. So how old were you when you, when your dad said, here, see, here's a shotgun. We're going duck hunting. <laughs> um, I, I, I was probably five when I went on my first hunt. Uh-huh. He's probably, been, he just hasn't shot. Yeah. I was yeah. probably, I was probably older. I was probably 12 okay. before my dad. My brothers, I have two younger brothers mm-hmm. and, and he, he let them shoot when they were like eight, but me yeah. like at probably 12. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to let him like shoot a, try to shoot a dove this year. Like uh, yeah, yeah, September the doves 1st. are probably a good starter. Um, but, and we'll see how that goes and, and then maybe we'll let him shoot a duck off the water or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how, so my dad, when my little brothers first started hunting, he, they were probably eight. And he handed him a 22 and they would just go, I think they kind of like pretended they were hunting mostly, uh-huh. but they would go in, we have like a flooded timber, but they would go in more of like the, the woods area and like track squirrels and, and different like rodents and, and try mm-hmm. to get ducks, but mostly just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's how they started. So what was the first big game animal that you killed? Um, probably a deer. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I, I was probably 12, a deer. Yeah. And we don't go deer hunting a lot. We have a place in Mississippi that we deer hunt, but my dad likes duck hunting more Okay. than deer hunting. So <laughs> how did you end up in South Africa? Um, so I, this is actually my third time there uh-huh. and this is my first time hunting there. I've been on hunts there but haven't actually gone out because I kind of been hanging out with the women inside and stuff, but this is my first boring. Yeah, I know. I know (laughs) it was time to upgrade, (laughs) but it was my first big hunt there. My it's my senior trip. So I just graduated high school, headed off to college. And so that was one thing I wanted to do for my bucket list on my senior trip. Uh So hopped on a plane, traveled for 17 hours. Most 18 year old girls want to like go to Cancun and get drunk, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah. I want to go to Africa and go hunting. Yeah, That's awesome. exactly. I just I love hope my girls are just like you. <laughs> well, I, I like that stuff too, but yeah. I love to spend time with my dad and, and uh-huh. that's the best way to do it is hunting. <laughs> yeah. And so did you have a list of things that, you know, you were going to target? Yeah. So we already have a wildebeest and, a, and two kudus at our house. So I was like, eh, I'll go for the kudu if one that's big enough comes, but like, I want to try something new, get some mm. new stuff for our house. So one thing that we didn't have was a zebra. And so that was the top of my list, like has been for a while. I just really, I think they're the most beautiful animal. And they're also like, it's not super hard to hunt. They kind of travel in a pack, you know, mm-hmm. they're not like an incredibly like difficult to hunt animal. So I was like, I'll go for that first. 
because I, I really, I've seen my dad hunt in Africa, but I was like, what am I doing? Like, I've oh, never yeah. been here before. Start something easy. So zebra was number one. And then I really wanted an, an impala and warthog was number two on my list. I wanted a warthog so bad. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, those are all things I shot on my first safari. Impala was the first thing. They're like, yeah, we're going to warm up yeah. on the Impala. Yeah. And I think the second thing I shot, I think we were looking for an Elon, but just came across uh, the virtual zebras and, yeah. you know, opportunity, you know, you just take what Africa gives you. If it's on your list, exactly. you could be hunting no. one thing, but if, it, you know, if it's something you want to hunt, now you're hunting that because there's, it's so crazy coming from Texas or Tennessee where it's like you have a white tail deer tag. I'm hunting white-tailed deer all season. I might not see one this hunt, but over there, it's like there could be ten different animals I'm interested in, um, which is which is why Africa is just so addicting. Um, yeah. So the first thing you shot was the zebra. Yeah. So day one, we were literally straight off the plane. I was totally jet lagged, but I was like, guys, I need to get the zebra. Like, mm. I have to feel accomplished day one. I have to feel like I did something. And like, honestly, I had no idea if it was going to be hard or easy to get one. Like, I really had no idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this going to take all day? What? And we ended up in the first 30 minutes of the hunt. It, w- it was the most exhilarating, exciting hunt of my life. Like, I'm not yeah. even kidding. Yeah. But it was just one of those moments where everything like got set up perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were kind of, we had our guy in the truck who was going to go on the road to the other side of where the zebras were and kind of like trick them mm-hmm. to coming closer. And then we were like tiptoeing in the, in the bush tiptoeing. And then my PH, his name is Will. He like, he like, he was like oh, freaking out and he freaking out. He set up my shooting sticks and he was like, he pointed and there was one all by itself just mm. standing there about 200 yards away, like in perfect shot, perfect setup. And like my heart was beating so fast and I was like, this is my moment. I better not miss like first <laughs> shot of the day, yeah. 20, 25 minutes in, like, let's go. And then I like, I aimed and I shot and it like, it, it was down on contact. And I was like, oh, and I like breathed out and it was like literally the most exciting moment of my life. That's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love to hear you just talk, you know, you can hear the excitement in your voice, see the smile on your face. That's what it's all about. Um, what caliber were you shooting? Um, I was shooting a 300 Magnum. Uh-huh. I can't remember. So like 300 Win Mag. Yeah, yeah, 300 Win yeah. Mag. But basically, they United Airlines lost all of our guns. Oh my! <laughs> on the way God. to South Africa. Um, I don't know if that was purposeful or what. This was two days after the big shooting in Texas, uh-huh. so I, guns were hard to get anywhere. Like, yeah. especially on a U.S. airline. I don't even know what happened. We ended up getting them after we got back to the U.S. But I was just shooting my PH's gun, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So I, I was kind of mad because I got a new gun for the trip that was super light because I like to shoot one that's lighter. Uh-huh. And they lost it. What caliber was now. that? Um, It was, I have it on my phone. I can't remember exactly. 6.5 Creedmoor? I think that's exactly what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the lightest <laughs> one they had at the shop we were at. And I was like, yeah. I like the way this feels. <laughs> American, in my experience, and I've only flown to Africa one time on American, and I won't ever do it again. They're, yeah. they're the worst. Um, and, and domestically, they, they're terrible too. But I'm sorry that, that uh, they lost your guns. It all worked out though. So you dropped yeah. this zebra. Um, 
what did you, I mean, did you have a place already picked out in the house where you want to put it? Um, so I'm actually taking it to college. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm moving up to New York city. And this is another part of like my story of what happened, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm headed to a liberal arts school there and it's called the King's college. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Mm-mm. but it's, um, on wall street down, downtown in the financial district of Manhattan. Mm. And so I'm living in an apartment down there. And I mean, I talked with my roommates and I'm putting that zebra rug in my Manhattan apartment. I love it. I love it. I, uh, I had a buddy, a high school buddy whose wife is like really into interior decorating. Yeah. And they don't really hunt and she certainly doesn't hunt, but (laughs) I had told them I'm going to Africa. I'm going to shoot a zebra. And she was like, can I have it? And I was like, really? <laughs> you want it? I was like, yeah. So if, I said, if you want to do the taxidermy, you can have it. So she got it shoulder mounted and it's in their house and they don't even hunt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, that just tells you animals. how pretty they are. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Um, okay, let's do this. Let's just take a quick commercial break. I want to come back and and really get into what happened after okay. the, you shot the zebra. So we'll knock out a break here. And that segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Transmit wireless cell camera. Data plans as low as $5 a month and 4K quality photos and videos from a cell camera. Who would have thought? Not me, <laughs> if you look at this stuff historically, but the technology is amazing and this is the best of the best. It's the DS4K Transmit. You can find it at stealthcam.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. But much water run under that old bridge there's too many rivers between me and you. hey guys cable here and last year was a wild year for censorship it's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers so i've partnered with the social media platform go wild to combat Mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. There's the band of heathens bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you as always. Thanks to Mossberg Firearms as well. Uh, we're still visiting with Huntress Seeley Osher. Huntress. Should we just call them hunters or do they need to be called huntresses? I don't know. Uh, anyway, Seeley Osher is still here and we're going to continue that conversation first though this segment is brought to you by numa geared for the outdoors 
I tell you guys every week now, nothing gets abused more than my hunting gear and the stuff that I'm wearing on my person bears the brunt of, I mean, just, I feel bad for it, to be honest with you, especially after like a week in the elk woods. But NUMA guarantees it all for life. Insane, right? Plus, you'll save 20% off your entire uh, order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. NUMA, geared for the outdoors. All right. Well, let's get back into it here. Celie, thanks for sticking around. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Enjoying the conversation and enjoying the, uh, like I said, just how enthusiastic you are about your love for hunting and you wanted to go to Africa for your senior trip. So cool. I hope my girls do that. So you knock down the zebra on the first day and yeah. what Africa's like uh, eight hour, I think it's eight hour time difference. It's eight. From, so you probably get back, uh, take a shower. And at some point you throw it up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we had dinner, we had some, um, some, what did we have for dinner? I can't remember. I think it was some kudu meat, mm-hmm. but we had dinner, all of us in the pHs. It was a great meal. We had I'm 18 and it was legal to drink there. So I had my first legal drink with my dad, which is a sweet (laughs) moment. And so after that, um, I got on my phone. It was kind of like late, just scrolling through. I got some cool pictures of just like some giraffes and of course a zebra. Mm -hmm. So I, I posted them and on my, my Instagram and, you know, I live in Tennessee hunting is big. I mean, I've grown up around it. A lot of my guy friends have gone on hunts in Africa. So I like never thought twice about like posting my kill. Like I just thought like you either comment good shot or you don't say anything at all. Like that's how I was brought up. Right. So it was live and and let live. Exactly. It was definitely a shock when that's not how it was received. Yeah. And so you go to sleep and then just wake up to a nightmare? Well, okay. Actually, so I went to sleep and I woke up and we had no service other than the Wi-Fi in our like the place we were staying. Yeah. And so I got up really early at 6 a.m. to go hunt a, a kudu. I believe. Yeah, it was a kudu with my friend. And he brought his daughter too. So I was hanging out with his daughter. And we went on a kudu hunt so that she could get her kudu. And I did not look at my phone. I think it was almost 21 hours later and of course that was yeah there's a lot of on my phone it was insane i think there was yeah. six thousand comments at that point six so so if a couple anti-hunters get on there and then they just start telling their friends yeah go, go beat up this girl make her exactly. feel horrible um it's funny because you can shoot a kudu and exactly. there will be no hate like nobody cares. it looks like a deer yeah you shoot a like I shot a giraffe last year my kids Uh were like dad shoot a giraffe so it was my fifth time over there I was like okay fine I'll shoot a giraffe and um I knew immediately I was gonna lose number one lose followers I don't care uh it doesn't matter to me probably get rid of them anyway uh (laughs) and then number two the the comments are gonna be like you know there wasn't six thousand but there was plenty of you're an asshole why would you shoot a giraffe what well why is it any different than a kudu it just has spots and it's bigger zebra's has stripes, but people are like, Oh, it's a horse. Well, yeah, no, not, it's, it's not a horse. <laughs> no. uh, not domesticated at all. So the things that these people said to you, I'm sure was pretty shocking. You probably hadn't experienced that before. Um, yeah, no. So 
I mean, I tried not to really look at the evil comments, but of course they were there. And so yeah. I did scroll through and see a, a few of them and some friends who basically the hunting community in Memphis really surrounded me and supported me, which is a really great feeling. But I even had some friends that saw comments I didn't that absolutely blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Like there was the usual ones that were like, you're disgusting. I hope you die. And then there was like very crude and like sexualizing me Mm -hmm. um talking about my personal life and people who had no idea my background no idea my family story um no idea my race Mm -hmm. um saying that i was like a colonizer um talking about like oh of course that white girl is there doing that and they honestly like it's really sad that people will say that stuff and they have no idea your story no idea like your family's story and like it was really sad yeah so Um, they called you a white supremacist yeah a white supremacist and like the funny thing is my my mom's actually an immigrant from cuba (laughs) so like i'm not even i'm like a first generation american yeah um and we also have an i have an adopted brother from ethiopia and so like i was just like no like you have no idea yeah my life my story and and it's just really sad and honestly like i i started to see and i i'd kind of been taught this at the school i grew up going to how like cancel culture is this like you you see something and you immediately react to it and you have no idea anything behind the picture mm-hmm. or the moment in time you just see and react and you assume and you guess and that is so dangerous yeah, no, hundred percent. Absolutely agree with you. And um, I mean, you're talking to somebody who, at like 145,000 followers, just had their Instagram page deleted for a month with no. That is um, crazy. No warning. No. I mean, I had some infractions, but like the things that I got like a violation for were: here's a picture of a deer at a feeder, and I said, "I'm thinking about letting my son shoot this deer." Then they would flag me for inciting violence and coordinating harm, which no, the action hadn't even been committed. It was a live deer sitting at a feeder. And then my page was just gone for over a month. And then they don't, you don't have any recourse. And like, you can report these people that are telling you, I mean, they'll say things like, Oh, I hope your kids get hit by an 18 wheeler shit, you know, stuff yeah, like that's... that. Report them. It doesn't matter. Then Instagram turns around and says, Oh, that doesn't violate our community guidelines. Like it's so it's just, it's a one way street. Uh, they don't like hunting. They don't like guns. They don't like conservative yeah. values. But it's, I mean, your background coming from your mom who immigrated from Cuba, you have an African-American brother. Exactly. And these people are calling you a white supremacist. It's mind blowing. It is. Um, and, and it's called the concept I learned it in school. It's called log rolling. And what they'll do is they'll take one thing and one issue and they'll attach it to all these other ones. And even even we, we as Republicans, we do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do is they'll see Africa and they'll see a gun and a zebra. And so they think envi- endangered animal. They think Africa, which is um, the African race. And then they see a gun, which is gun control or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those are three issues that aren't attached to trophy hunting whatsoever. but three symbols in their head that they'll attach like racism they'll attach colonization and they'll attach um like environmental protection of animals to that and they'll immediately assume that you're 
for all those things and they're mm-hmm. you're against what they believe in which is totally not true and they're totally separate issues and it's crazy you know what i believe in the exact thing the, the exact thing that they preach but they don't do which is live and let live and exactly they're only cool with that until you no longer fit their narrative and then they exactly. want to throw you to the wolves bully you into submission make you feel like crap uh, so the best thing to do is just ignore it. It's hard to do when 6,000 people are, are jamming up your Instagram yeah. with all negativity. Um, but here's the, here's the reality is they don't, they don't do it on the same level to, to men. They do it to mm-hmm. attractive women. women. And here's why. It's because it, doesn't, it, it makes them uncomfortable. It, it uh, invalidates their stance like yeah if a woman can do it then it really it can't be that really bad, aggravates right? them yeah yeah it's 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 it should be fine if if they were like oh these bloodthirsty men uh toxic of course they're doing masculinity that. you know they assume that guys will do it but they don't understand it they can't wrap their mind around the fact that yes there are women plenty of them out there and it's the fastest growing segment of our, our hunting community um, but there's plenty of them out there who are conservationists who love big game hunting. Um, and, and they just don't, they can't understand it. It, it, yeah, I think it, it was scares sad them. To me. It was sad to me because, um, it seemed on my comments, I looked at like the demographic mm-hmm. and I saw what I saw on there was I saw a lot of women tearing me down mm-hmm. and I saw that most of the hate was women. And a lot of the support and, and people encouraging me, not because of my looks, but because they understood that what I, I was doing was okay, were men. Mm-hmm. And that didn't align in my head because I thought we women, this generation of women is so let's build girls, build girls up like girls, women support women. But I didn't see that on my post. Yeah. I, I only see women supporting women when we do women things. Right. I, I don't see women support putting women when we do mid things. Yeah. And it's so it doesn't align with other political and of course all the abortion stuff like yeah. my body, my choice, let's support women. But what happens when I want to shoot a zebra legally, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even want to say it's doing man things. I would say it's like historically associated with like a manly thing to do. But like I said, more and more women going on safari these days, um, which I think is so cool. I can't wait to take my my twin girls someday in the not too uh, distant future. Um, but again, they don't they, they hate what they don't understand. They can't wrap their uh, mind around a pretty face taking a life, and especially something with stripes or spots. It just like pff, makes their heads want to explode. You didn't do this though, like like Kendall Jones. Uh, it was very calculated. She, I think there was the intent to get famous off of her situation. Uh, that's, you didn't go into this with that intent. No, it was my senior trip. Like, yeah. Yeah. Joe, like, um, like, like my friends, he went to Cancun. I'm going to show my memories of my senior trip. Like, right. Right. Um, zebra meat's phenomenal by the way. Yeah. It was, it was pretty like a sweet meat when we tried it. And uh-huh. I, def- I kind of like more gamey meat, but I didn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is next on your, Oh, Oh, one other thing I read. So these idiots then called your college, uh, admissions department. Yeah. They came to your house too. 
yeah so this honestly none of it phased me until they started bring bringing college into it mm-hmm. because obviously like i'm going to a liberal arts school in new york city it's, it's actually a christian liberal arts school in new york city mm-hmm. it's the only one um in new york and basically the people clicked i had it at king's college in my bio and my instagram and so they they clicked that and they saw liberal arts so they immediately thought like oh we can get her kicked out because this is a liberal arts school what they didn't know was it's actually like king's college is actually famous for protecting students individual rights and making sure that we align with the constitution and we're actually known for being a school where patriots go or whatever. I have a guy friend who got kicked out of his college, St. John's in New York for not wanting to get vaccinated. And he transferred to Kings where you don't need a vaccination of any kind. And um, I'm actually, they had a call with me after all this happened because they were like, we want you to make sure that you know that we know that what you did was okay. And we're excited Mm -hmm. to have you in the fall. So that was really encouraging, but it was really, really, really stressful thinking that there was a possibility that I might not get to go to college. <laughs> and that people are trying to ruin your life because they don't, they're losers and they don't have anything better to do. Exactly. And that's the bottom line. Like how big of a loser do you have to be? Okay. You don't want to hunt a zebra. You don't have to, you know what? You don't have to. Uh, that's fine. Well, how does it affect you? It doesn't. It, it, and these people go out of their way to get so angry and have so much hate in their hearts to try to ruin someone's life. Like I, it's beyond despicable. It doesn't make any sense. I know. And um, like the effect that it had on like the rest of my trip, um, I tried to like not let it phase me, but it definitely put a stress on like my mental health for the rest mm-hmm. of the trip. And the same community and group of people who advocating for mental health and like women's rights are the same people that will in a second tear down a woman and affect her mental health without without a second thought and it's really sad that's a great point that you bring up like you're on this senior trip you've had just had the you just described it as one of the best moments of your life shooting the zebra and then for the rest of the trip now you've got this thing weighing heavy on your shoulders like why are why are these people acting like this to me what did i do Exactly. And to me, the answer is you didn't do anything uh, except practice sustainable use hunting, which is awesome. Uh, did you end up shooting another animal on the trip? Yes. So I did end up getting an Impala, a warthog. I, uh, what else did I get? So we ended up getting a lot. I did not post any rest of my game that I got mm-hmm. just because I, w- I wanted to make sure that people, that I wasn't rattling people back up. Yeah. And seeming like I was trying to get attention. I did mm-hmm. keep the post up and I've kept it up. Um, I'm trying to just kind of like take a break from social media other than just posting my other trips I'm going on. And, but mm-hmm. it's sad that I have to do that. It is. Honestly. It is. Absolutely. What is the next thing on your bucket list as far as hunting goes? Hunting. Um, honestly, the next thing on my bucket list is, is elk hunting. And nice. I think that. I'm going to be doing that in November with my dad. I've always wanted to do that. He did it two years ago. And I just think I love Colorado. Mm-hmm. I spent my summer there last year and I love mountains in general. I have a mountain tattoo. <laughs> I see that. That's awesome. Yeah. But elk is my next thing. I am going elk hunting in Wyoming. I drew a tag there. So yeah, yeah. that'll be so cool. Yes. I don't ever miss an elk season. You're going to get addicted to that. Just like Africa. Uh Oh, 
Yeah. If you want to tell folks where they can find you and support you, I don't know if you, I mean, direct people to your Instagram or don't, it doesn't matter to me, but we have a whole community of people that would love to support you, I'm sure. Yeah, that's really kind of you to suggest. My Instagram is at um, Celie Ozier, that's C E L I E O Z. Um, and as if people want to follow my hunting journey and just my journey of trying to be a conservative woman in New York City, um, they can go find me there. I will definitely be like constantly standing up for what I know is right and true and and supporting other people in New York who are trying to be conservative and like continue to protect their own individual rights. And so that's going to be a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan for three years when we were dating. So, uh, and she's from Texas. Um, and so I did spend, you know, I probably went up there 10 times or so to visit. And I liked visiting New York. I don't, I couldn't live there. But it, there is so much history and culture there. It's a cool place to visit. Um, I'm not down with the new gun laws. They, they're ramming down people's oh, throats yeah. and stuff. That's but I know that you won't go woke on your college journey. So we'll, we'll just uh, we'll put that in the bank because it ain't going to happen. Uh, you're a good old Southern gal who understands yeah. the value in the value in what you did over there. And the fact that uh, the more people that actually hunt these animals, the, the more viable their populations and the, the long-term outlook for these species exactly. is. So it's pretty similar to hunting in the States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey, thank you so much for your time. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet, meet you. You too. Good luck in the big apple. Thank you. Bye. Oh, wow. What a uh, breath of fresh air. I'll tell you what I knew of Seeley's story, but having never talked to her, didn't know she was so enthusiastic. I mean, that was contagious. She absolutely loves hunting, loves that father-daughter time in the great outdoors. And uh, and it, it makes me very hopeful for my seven-year-old girls uh, who are already nudging me. Hey, Dad, can I, can I shoot a doe this year? At least one of them anyway. And uh, when one of them does it, the other one is usually not far behind. So anyway, that segment brought to you by John X Safari's the date is booked, May 2023. I think we arrive on like the 22nd of next May. It'll be my sixth safari with John X. Like Seeley said, one of the best experiences of her entire life, taking that zebra, except for you get to relive it every day. You're hunting who knows what for seven days straight. I think I have four or five spots left on that trip. I highly recommend it, and I did this on my first safari, I recommend going with somebody who's gone before from you know the travel perspective and just kind of showing you what to expect leading up to the trip and then executing the getting there and the coming home and everything in between. Uh, I'll be your huckleberry. Shoot me an email, lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com. If you are interested in more information, that will be, again, my sixth safari with John X. Uh, lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to both of our guests today, as we've got to wrap this up, Braden Sharon and Celie Ozier. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Just as long as you call me your man, that's the only 
devil 